Good morning. Glad you are here today. My name's Craig for our guests, and I'm our preaching pastor uh, here at Generations Community. Really wish I could be with you, but I can't. Uh, but I'm super excited about this series I'm kicking off about the life of Joseph. Uh, and so I wanted to get it started this week so we can move it through the next uh, couple of months as we uh, journey together with him, often in the summer. Uh, we do something out of the Old Testament because there's just some really rich stories. Uh, and Joseph is a particularly, uh, particularly good one. I, I love him. Uh, he goes on to eventually uh, accomplish great things for God. But the truth of the matter about Joseph is, though, he's pretty much a hot mess before he ever gets to that. He struggles with all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and so a part of what I love about the story of Joseph is even though he goes on to become great for God, uh, he, he's, he's flawed. And it's kind of this reminder that, that God uses flawed people to accomplish great things. God uses flawed people to accomplish great things. And that, in some sense, that's the way this whole series will be. That'll kind of be the theme of the whole thing, is how God uses Joseph uh, to accomplish things in spite of all the things that are uh, happening in his life. Uh, and I, I love Bible characters that are flawed, and almost all of them are flawed. And I think the reason I like them is because we're flawed. Amen? We're, we're just, we're imperfect like everybody else, and, and yet God uh, uses us. And when I was growing up, I heard a lot of these stories almost in the context of these are perfect people, right? And I thought, well, I can never do that. <laughs> and so uh, I like to talk about the problems that they have sometimes. And so uh, the good news is that God blesses and uses uh, imperfect people for his kingdom. So um, let's take a look at, at Joseph uh, a little bit. Uh, and the truth of the matter is Joseph's story begins long before he was born. Uh, Joseph is the son of Jacob, and some of you will remember that there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, kind of the three great uh, fathers of, of, of Judaism and of Christianity. Um, and so I want to kind of start with his story, because there's an interesting story that goes with, with that, and that is that, that uh, Jacob, this, this third one of them, uh, he, he has an interesting story about how he got his wife. He went off to another land uh, and, and ran into this family and fell in love with a girl, like every boy does. Uh, and, and he loved Rachel. Rachel was the love of his life. Uh, and so women were kind of bought and sold in those days. And so he agreed to work for his future father-in-law for seven years in order to get to marry Rachel. Now, I, ladies, wouldn't you love it if a guy was willing to work for you for seven years in order to that, care that much about you? You know, guys are uncomfortable at this point thinking, ah, you know, we think, you know, like two months salary for a ring and we're really sacrificing. Jacob did seven years of working for it. Blessed the father-in-law, he became rich. The wedding comes around, he's so excited. If you've ever seen ancient uh, culture kinds of things, the women are always in garb and you can't really tell what's underneath there. And, and Jacob's father-in-law pulled a switcheroo on him and when the wedding was over and he went to look and see his beloved Rachel, it was Rachel's older sister Leah. You can imagine how that made him feel. He was like, ah, and his father-in-law said, hey, the older woman's got to go first, you know, and so she's like, well, we won't go what she was like. But anyway, um, she, so he agrees to work for his father-in-law for another seven years in order to get Rachel. Now, all of the women in the church have fallen in love with Jacob because he worked 14 years. And he got her immediately, though, and then, and then worked for seven more years after that. And so, basically, the story is, is, is sister wives. I don't know if you've ever seen that program, but long before they had that program, that was going on with, with, with Jacob and, and his life. And so they begin their life together. Uh, and the interesting sort of thing happened. Leah, the older sister, she begins to have boys. 
And in ancient culture, having a boy was a really big deal. It was kind of how a woman had status. Uh, and she began to have uh, boys. Uh, but, but Rachel didn't. Rachel was barren. She didn't have any kids out of all of that. And that's, that's just really not good. And then just kind of hurrying through the story. Then late in life, finally, Rachel gets pregnant. And she has a baby boy. And you can just imagine what that was like. And, and, for, um, and, and it was Joseph. That's who the baby boy was. And so for Jacob and, and for Rachel, especially for Jacob the father, this, this little boy becomes his huge favorite. I mean, just far and away his favorite. Born of the woman he loved most. Born late in life when he didn't think he would get a son from her. Uh, and, and so he, he's just, the truth of the matter is this. Joseph was a spoiled brat. <laughs> he, he just was he was the and, and not just the, he's like the rich spoiled brat this is the guy uh, you you really don't like it, the scripture records he just kind of showered him with everything everything he he wants it kind of reminds me of, of when my my daughter was born she was the first grandchild for my dad uh, and and she, she could do no wrong, you know, and she was so, it was everything for her. And she was a couple of years old when we were living in Kansas City. And one day he takes her to Walmart and like anything she touched or looked at, he bought for her. It was like, you know, I'm like, where, who are you and what have you done with my father, right, who would never spend a nickel on anything? And, and that's cute at three. It's not cute when they grow up. But, but that, that's what it was for him. It was this wonderful sort of thing. And so I'm just going to say something that may be a little hard. I'm going to cough. Um, and that is this, uh, Joseph grew up in a wildly dysfunctional home. And, and we think of the spoiled as, as kind of cute, but it created huge tensions in the family. Uh, it created great tensions with the older brothers. You can imagine the older brothers who all of their life have worked hard to make dad successful, who have worked hard to make the farm successful, who have, have, have contributed to making the wealth successful. They've done all of the work and all of the praise goes to the younger bratty brother. And, and so there's this real, real difficulty, and you'll see how this, this goes on in a minute. And so if you can get an idea of what, what uh, Joseph is like, it, today he would be the, you know, the kid that got a Corvette for his 16th birthday, right? You know? And all the latest Apple products and all the best clothes and all the greatest, greatest sort of stuff. And probably everybody who came in contact with him didn't like him. That was just probably the way it, it worked because it wasn't fair. So I want to pick up the story uh, looking at Genesis 37, uh, verses 2 through 4 to start with because I want to read you part of this story and if you, if you read it carefully you'll you'll see what's going on and how difficult that that is so it starts out with this Joseph a young man of 17 okay get a 17 year old boy in your head right you know not very smart I'm 17 year old boy it's you know I remember what that was like it's all energy in all direction but uh, you know so and it, so uh, Joseph a young man of 17 was tending the flock with his brothers, okay, so he's gone out with his brothers, he's the young man, they're grown men, uh, the sons of Beha and, and the sons of Zephah, uh, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So, little 17-year-old brother who thinks he knows what he's doing tattles on all of his older brothers and gets them all in trouble. You can just imagine how that endeared him. Uh, he's not even old enough to really understand how things work, you know. I, uh, when, I was, when I was in the grocery business, I was running freight crews, and I would get these kids that would come on, and like after two days of experience, they wanted to tell me everything I was doing wrong with the freight crew, right? And I got like 25 guys under me. And, and that's, that's kind of what's going on, only you add the family dynamic in that this was younger brother who already was being spoiled. So now it goes on. 
Now Israel, who is, who is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. I love how scripture is just flat out honest. He just, he just loved him more than any of them. Because he had been born to him in his old age, and, and of Rachel, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. You get the picture? You see the dysfunction in this family at, at this point? Uh, and so there's just this huge problem. And so I want to stop a little briefly here. It says ornate robe. Some of you, if you remember the King James uh, Version, it talked about a coat of many colors. Anybody remember a coat of many colors? Yep. Uh, out there. That probably wasn't a real great translation uh, for us. So in, in the ancient world, somewhat like today, what you wear communicated a lot about you. In fact, more, more about you. If, if you were a poor person, you were one way. You know, like slaves didn't have shoes. You just knew immediately all of those sorts of things. And we still have some of this today. You know, somebody comes in a three-piece suit that communicates something. Either they're someone important or they're about to go to a meeting that's important in some sort of way. Or if someone comes in a marine uniform, that, that immediately communicates something about them. Or or a letterman's jacket that immediately communicates, or, or a judge's robe, or, or a policeman's uniform. The clothes communicate, and even more so in the ancient world. And in the ancient world, the, the words up here for ornate robe were used for royalty. So literally, he is dressing his son like royalty while all the older sons are out in the field working their tails off. That's what's going on in, in this family. And then it, 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 get, it gets worse uh, than that. Uh, he, he begins to have these dreams. And the interesting thing about this is, is Jacob was also a dreamer. So there's this father-son with this spiritual gifting about dreaming that goes from one generation to the next. So again, kind of this closeness. Uh, so it goes on to say, he said to them, this is after he'd had a dream, uh, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Yeah, that's not going to be a good. So we already know this guy has really poor judgment about how to get along with it. You know, this is literally the brat of the whole family. He's just, it's just crazy, you know. Your sheaves are going to bow down to my sheaves. And he told his brother. And in fact, the really interesting thing is the idea of bowing down to the ground didn't happen in Jewish culture. That was like the, the worst of the worst to get all the way on the ground like that. And so it's just kind of way over the top. And you can see the brothers rolling their eyes and plotting to get him. Okay, It goes on. It says, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Don't you just love this kid? I mean, it's just like, it's just hard. And, and he's just more hated by his brothers. And so um, here's, here's some important truths as we kind of walk through this. Um, God gave Joseph gifts before he was mature enough to wield them. I think that's an interesting sort of thing when you look at Scripture. That he would actually give him the gifts before he was mature enough. It's fascinating to me that, that God would do this. That he would give him the dreams and the insight and, and, and all of those years. And, and there's a, an interesting sort of lesson in this. That, that is hard for me because I certainly understand this. That, that, that Joseph actually used the gifts that God had given him for evil. He used them to make his brothers feel bad, to alienate people, to lord it over people, to exercise power over other people. And that's an interesting thing for me because I remember growing up, my gift has always been kind of talking. And in my teenage years, I would use it to hurt people. 
And one of my great regifts, regrets is the gift that God gave me that I, today I hope I use for good to bless people in preaching and in communication with them. But I was immature. And so I identify with Joseph in, in this moment. There's something going on in all of this. And so let, let, me, let me say it like this. Even though Joseph had all of these things that happened in his teenage years, and we're not going to talk about the end yet. We're going to talk about this. But here's the truth. I want you to get kind of the overarching truth. Uh, and that is this. Your previous life is not a barrier to God's future for you. He will go on to rule Egypt despite all of this stuff. And there's a lot of bumps between here and there. Ruling Egypt will come at the very end of this series. But, but I would be willing to bet that if I were to ask you to raise your hands, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, that a lot of you would say you did something dumb when you were a teenager. <laughs> In fact, some of us have collections of dumb things we did as teenagers and things we regret and things we wish we could take back and some of which were hurtful and painful. And I want you to know that qualifies you to be a champion for Christ because <laughs> that's, that's the way it worked. It's just through all of Scripture this happens and in Joseph's life it happened as well. And here's the deal. The devil will come along and think you can't accomplish what God wants you to accomplish because of your past. And Joseph is a story that says that's a lie. That you can. That God has stuff for you. And so let me say it like this. Just like God had plans for Joseph, God has plans for you. Let me say that again. Just like God had plans for Joseph, despite the fact that he was an idiot and he was overbearing and he was impossible and his brothers wanted to kill him. Despite all of that, God had a plan for Joseph. And despite your past, whatever it is, whatever's in the past back there, only you and God know that, God still has a plan for you. And that's part of the power of this in, in his, his life. Uh, and so um, you, are, you, 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 you are chosen by God. <laughs> You are not a random kind of thing that just happened in the universe. The, 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 you, you are a child of the Most High God. Say, I'm a child of the Most High God. God knows your name. God knows your social security number. He knows your bank accounts. He knows all of that stuff. He's had his eye on you since before you were born. Just like Joseph. And he gave you gifts, that some of which you used for evil when you should have been using them for good. Welcome to the club. But, but God has a plan for you. And, and I would be willing to bet today, even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that you already know this. That if you look over the course of your life, you can see where God intervened in some point or another. Maybe he answered a prayer when you were in desperation and, and you made one of those prayers that I think everybody makes when they're young. Lord, if you'll just get me out of this mess, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And they get you out of this mess and you kind of go on with life, you know. Maybe there was maybe there's a time where God intervened and protected you, or there's something in your life. But you have a sense that God has been moving in your life and intervening in ways that that are supernatural. That comes back to this: just like God had plans for Joseph, God has plans for you. You've experienced God's presence. God has chosen you. That's the story of Joseph. And here's the good news: just to kind of say it a little more out loud. God chooses dysfunctional people to accomplish his purposes. Everybody said amen. God chooses dysfunctional people. It, because if he didn't, there wouldn't be anybody else to choose. Everybody has this stuff in here. It, Moses, Moses was a, wow, was he a dysfunctional man and he delivered Israel. David, David had a midlife crisis where he had an affair and killed somebody. The disciples, have you ever looked at that group? They are a mess. They're just really a mess. 
And so God has always been working in this kind of way in our lives. And Joseph is no exception to that. And so uh, to, to just drive it home just a little bit. Your flaws, failures, lack of talent or confidence are no barrier to God choosing you and using you for his kingdom. Your flaws, failures, lack of talent or confidence are no barriers to God choosing you and using you for his kingdom. And so let's, let's read this together. Your flaws, failures, lack of talent, or confidence are no barrier to God choosing and using you for his kingdom. That's the way he works. We disqualify ourselves way faster than God disqualifies us. We, we compare our insides to other people's outsides. We look at other people and they come on Sunday and it looks like they got it all together and they smile and you say, How it's, how's it going? They say, it's going great, you know? And you're thinking, I had a lousy week, you know? It's terrible. But what do you say when they say to you, how's it going? It's going great, you know? And there, so there we all are comparing our insides to other people's outsides and we wonder why we never seem to have it together. Nobody has it together. Let me tell you, everybody has stuff in their life. And so your, your scars or your failures, in fact, may be things that God uses. In fact, there's an interesting part of this story where at the end, some of the things that happened in Joseph's life will come back. And God will use them in powerful ways for forgiveness and, and reconciliation. And, and so I, I, let me say this, just everybody hear this. You are Joseph. Every one of you are Joseph in some way, shape, or form. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you are Joseph. And th this isn't the, the point in this kind of a sermon where it always falls apart. It's really good. Everybody agrees right up into this point. But, but when I get to this point that God has really chosen you, everybody's like, yeah, I don't know. If you knew my past, I, I don't have any talents I'm not as smart as I, I, I think I, people say I am. And, you know, I grew up in a bad home. And, and I have lots of baggage. And, you know, I don't, I don't, blah, 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 blah. Don't you think God just goes, what are you talking about? I made you. You cannot hide from me. I, I know your inner being. You're, some of you are like Joseph. Every time I go, I try, something goes wrong. In fact, the whole story of Joseph is he keeps trying to do the right thing and it keeps going wrong again and again and again and again. This is going to be a really encouraging sermon series about how it goes wrong all the time over the next several weeks. God has not chosen you because you have it all together. Maybe he chose you because you don't have it together and he wants to show what he can do with so little. Doesn't that just bless your heart? But that is one of those things that the first time I heard somebody say something along that, that just changed my whole picture. Let me say that again. God has not chosen you because you have it all together. He doesn't choose anybody because they have it all together. Maybe he chose you because you don't have it together. And he wants to show what he can do with so little. That's why he chose a bunch of the disciples. Because they were like, I am the greatest sinner. I don't know why you chose me. But he did. It's the way God works. So... You were created with purpose, with a, with a purpose in God's plan. It's probably not to rule Egypt like Joseph, okay? I doubt, if, you, if, if that happens, by the way, I'd like to get to know you back then. But, but it's probably not to do that. But God has a purpose for your plan. God wants to use your life for something more than paying the mortgage. And, and again, it, it doesn't mean it's going to be like being a preacher kind of a thing. In fact, there are far more people out there that are not preachers than preachers. And you are the ones that can really make an impact for the kingdom of God. You're the ones that, that are out there living in the real world doing the real thing. And, and so this is the only thing you have to have. Joseph had one thing. 
He, 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 was, he was messed up on the inside. He couldn't get along with people. He alienated people. He didn't have wisdom. Any of those sorts of things. But here's what Joseph had. The only thing Joseph had going for him was willingness. Willingness. He was willing to do what God called him to do. And that's all God needs. He doesn't need you to be smart. He doesn't need you to have it all together. He, he, doesn't need, he just needs you to be willing. All the way to the very end of his life, he was willing. He kept following God even though it went wrong and went wrong and went wrong. And so the most important question is this. Oops, back up one. Am I willing? Are you willing to do what God calls you to do? Are you, are you willing, if, it, if it's something hard, are, are you willing? Will you let God work through you? Are you open to him? Have you surrendered to him? That's the question. That's the great truth. It's the only thing that saves Joseph is that he was willing. He was always willing to follow God. In fact, there's a great story kind of like this in the New Testament called the parable of the talents. And over in Matthew, the story is that this great king is going to go away and so he gives one servant five talents and one servant two talents and one servant servant one talent. He says, I come back, I, I want to return on what I've given to you. And, and you know, talent is a, is a coin in the, in the Greek word. But it kind of, it it's nice that in English it, it's talent because very often what we have is the gifts that God has given to us. And you know the story, the, the king goes away and then he comes back and he gets to the one that had five talents and that guy had taken what God had given him and had worked hard and, and he doubled the money and he said, well done, faithful servant and, and double and give you the reward. And the, the, the second one came around and he hadn't earned nearly as much money as the, the guy that had five talents, but he said, well done, good, great job, you went out, you did, did what I asked you to do. And then of course the one guy, he just buried it in the dirt, you know. And that was the one that God was displeased with. And I think about that a lot because, they, they, you know what it tells us? The standard isn't how much you can accomplish. The standard is are you willing to do what God asks you to do? I'll give you just one talent. Just go out and make something with it, anything with it. Just don't bury it. That's the story. That's the story of Joseph as well. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> this is one of these stories that bothers my heart because I know one day I'm going to give an account for what I've done for the kingdom of God. And I also know that the Bible says that the standard's higher for those that are teachers, for people like me. And one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and I'm going to have to give account. And I'm going to talk about you all. <laughs> I'm going to say, you see that church down there? I, Lord, I wasn't all that talented, but them people love you and they love one another. And, and, that's, that, and that's, that's for all of us. We, we, one day we'll give an account. You don't have to be a superhero. You just have to be willing in all of that and so let me ask you this morning what are you doing with the gifts talents resources God has given you what, what does that look like it, it looks different for every single person very few of you will, will stand on a platform and preach every Sunday but we have some people in our church that, that what, it, what it means to use the talents God give them is they, they, they go on Wednesday mornings and they provide a, a meal for the homeless you know what they're going to talk about when they get to heaven? They're not going to talk about the awards they got at work or any of that. They're going to talk about, Lord, I just felt you calling me to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And Jesus is going to say, yay, great, let's come on in. Let's, you know, what, 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 what do you do? Maybe it's, maybe it's volunteering in the church somewhere. We've got a whole volunteer board out there. Maybe all it is is you just, you just hold kids, hold babies. 
Uh, we had some people in the nursery uh, last Sunday, and I, I happened to walk in to kind of say thank you to them. And here's with this grandfather guy. He had a kid on either side and a big book in between, and he was reading. They were all engrossed in the book in our nursery. And I thought, there is the kingdom of God. There is things that matter for eternity. I, I don't know. Maybe it, I had a guy in my last church. He liked to fix stuff for, for people. We had women in our church that were wi widows and, and their car would break down. He'd go over and fix their car in the middle of the night so they could get to work the next morning. I, there is the kingdom of God. I, God did not give me that gift. If I had worked on their car, it would have cost them more later on. You know, that's just that's not my gift. But let me ask you, what are you doing with the gifts, talents, resources God has given you? That's the question. That's the first question in Joseph. And God's given you something. Even, even, if, even if you're a bratty, snotty little boy, God has given you something. And he wants you to use it for the kingdom of God. Amen. Next week we'll continue on and, and uh, Joseph's going to get himself in trouble with his brothers. It's all going to come back to roost. And we'll talk about when it all goes wrong and how God is there uh, in the midst of it. And next Sunday, I will be with you personally. Uh, looking forward uh, to that and preaching live uh, with you. Let me um, pray for you. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord in giving in just a second. And so if you're a guest, uh, this would be a great time to put that connection card in there. If you'll put an email on there, I'd love to follow up uh, with you uh, on that with just a, just a thanks for coming and some information about the church. It won't put you on a giant uh, mailing list. But thank you so much for coming. I hope you'll come back next Sunday. I'd love to to meet you in person. Uh, so let's prepare to worship the Lord in giving uh, and let me pray for you now. Father God, Lord, I am so thankful that you do not choose us because we have our lives together. Because boy, was I a mess growing up. Little ADHD boy tearing up the church and getting in trouble. And, and so Father, I, I'm just thankful for that. And I know that there are a lot of people here that, um, that, that they have things in their past too that are hard. And so, Father, I'm glad that you use us in spite of the, our past, Lord, and that you redeem our past, Lord. And thank you for that you have chosen every single one of us and that you've given us talents. And it looks different for every single person, Father. So I ask, Lord, I pray that you would make us willing <laughs> to say yes to you, whatever it is you're, you're calling us to do, to say yes to you this morning, Father, that we will follow you, we will do what you ask us to do, that you might be glorified and that your kingdom might be expanded. And we love you, and we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God loves you. I love you. After the offering, go and love each other. <laughs>